Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know of your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we heard Paul talk to the Corinthians about completing the good work that they had begun, that good work of taking up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem, this work of ministry for the saints. Paul says today, I don't need to write to you again about the reason for this. I don't need to motivate you to do it. I don't need to compel you. I don't need to do any of those things because I've already written to you about it and you've already begun to do the good work. Paul is so, gr- glo- so glad to hear that they had begun to do this good work they desired to take up a collection for the folks suffering in Jerusalem, but now he wants to make sure that that work is completed. He wants to make sure that it's completed, and he wants to make sure that it's completed rightly and to the glory of God. And that's kind of a tricky matter. There's a lot of ways that this could go wrong. And so Paul starts by drawing attention to the fact that he had boasted to the Macedonians about the Corinthians. I told them, Paul says, I told them about your readiness to serve in this way. I told them how you were already collecting, how you had already begun this work. I told them, and that inspired them, those, those poor Macedonians. Those Macedonians who had not much to begin with, it inspired them to give out of their poverty. Paul says, they were inspired by your generosity. Don't let your generosity be a wet blanket. Don't let it be something that doesn't actually come to completion. In fact, we want to make sure, Paul says, that if some Macedonians show up, if I come and visit you and some Macedonians are with me, that they don't see you scrambling 
to get together a gift as sort of an afterthought. But they see that you've been thoughtful and careful, that you desired to do this work, and you cheerfully and gladly were carrying it out. How dreadful, what a stumbling block it would be for those Macedonians if they arrived having been inspired by your goodness and they found that that goodness wasn't what they thought it was. So Paul says, be ready. I'm sending ahead some brothers to make sure that you're ready. I'm urging the brothers to go on ahead to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it will be ready when we arrive. So there'll be no confusion, no manipulation, no coercion, no sense of desperation on anybody's part. Instead, it will just be what was, de- what was promised is delivered as a willing gift and not as an exaction. And that's the key for Paul. He could, and he makes this point at various times in his letters, he could claim apostolic authority and give them a command. He could tell them, I'm an apostle called by Jesus, you have to do what I say. But he never exercises that right. Because he is not interested, as God is not interested, in grudging obedience. Take, for instance, Paul's letter to Philemon. There's the story of the runaway slave who had come and visited Paul. And Paul wants Philemon to set his slave free. But he wants him to do it gladly and willingly. And so he sends first, Paul sends first his slave back so that he can release him on his own. Paul doesn't say, I'm going to keep him and you have to let him go. Paul says, no, he's going to come back and you're going to let him go willingly or not at all. Willingly, gladly, that's what matters. God is not after mere outward obedience. In fact, that is a stench to him when things are done just outwardly or grudgingly. It says in the psalm that we should not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. God was not interested in making children of horses and mules. He was interested in making children of people who have a will, and he wants their will to be conformed to his will. He wants us to want what he wants. He wants us to love what he loves because, of course, his love is perfect and his desires are perfect and he only desires what is good. He wants us to be like him in our generosity, in our willingness to show mercy, in our compassion and pity. He wants us to overflow with abundance in the same way that he overflows in generosity, not ever doubting for a moment that there will be enough, but instead knowing that when it is God who supplies, you can never run out. In fact, As the stories in the Gospels show us, you actually end up with more than what you began with. Your motivation matters. That's why Paul is saying, willingly and not as an exaction. I want this to be a willing gift. But he observes, he warns the Corinthians, you do reap what you sow. And so pay attention to what you are sowing. Now this can sound like a sort of a a blind karma, that what goes around comes around, that if you do good, you'll get good in return. If you do bad, you'll get bad in return. But that is not at all what Paul is talking about. He's not just talking about good deeds that are thrown out into the universe, hoping that good deeds will come back to you. That is not how the universe works. And that is not how God works. Instead, God is saying that he has equipped you with seed. And he wants you to plant that seed. If you sow corruptible seed, if you sow with fleshly seed, you will only get fleshly corruptible fruit. And so in Galatians, Paul says to the Galatians, 
What you reap is what you have sown. If you sow towards the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. If you sow towards the spirit, you will reap from the spirit. If you sow earthly things, you'll get earthly things. It's like the man who says his prayers or fasts or gives alms in order to be seen by others. Jesus says about that man, he's got his reward. He sowed his seed in order to get an earthly reward, and he got it. But that is no good. Why would you want such corruptible, earthly, fleshly fruit? Why would you? Well, on the one hand, we know this about bad seed. It often grows better and more quickly, more vigorously than the good seed. It's the weeds that grow more impressively. And so, so often our hearts are tempted to sow fleshly seed. But don't do it, Paul says. Because then you'll only reap fleshly gain. Instead, sow what is spiritual. Sow generosity and mercy. Sow what the Spirit has given to you. And today, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, not only what you sow is what you will reap, but how much you sow is how much you will reap. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And this is where the risk is at play. When we have such a precious seed, such precious things that God has entrusted to our care, we are tempted to think, I must be sparing with them in case they don't grow, in case they don't bear fruit. But what is that but doubting God's promises? So abundantly, so bountifully, because it is God who has promised the growth. It is according to what you have decided in your heart. Paul says, each one should decide in his heart ahead of time his generosity, his compassion, his mercy. And for the Corinthians, how much they're going to give to those in Jerusalem. They should settle it in their heart ahead of time so that it's no arm twisting, there's no manipulation. Instead, it is a good work that flows out of faith. If it comes from arm twisting or manipulation, then it is a stench to God. And to make that clear, imagine, imagine Jesus on the cross, if he were only grudgingly obeying his Father, if he were only going to the cross and dying for you and me because his Father made him do it. Imagine if that was the model for generosity, for mercy, or for kindness. It'd be abhorrent to us. Why would we trust in one who only did what his Father made him do? Instead, what does it say of Jesus, who for the joy that was before him, went to the cross, despising the shame, gladly obeying his Heavenly Father because he believed He believed that if he sowed abundantly in spiritual things, he would reap abundantly. And what is the fruit that he has borne from those seeds but your life and mine? He was rewarded for his abundant sowing, for his abundant giving up of his life. And look at the reward. The life of the world is what he got in return. How much more for you and me, to whom God has given every last thing, when we obey willingly and gladly, sowing abundantly, Because God has promised. Do not doubt that God can do what he has sworn to do. Do not believe the lies about God's generosity. Listen to what St. Paul says. Pay attention to the detail here. It is him, it is he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Okay, so God gives everything from the seed to the bread. And he's the one who multiplies the seed for sowing and the increase in the harvest of righteousness. So normally the way things work is you start out with some seed and you plant it into the ground and maybe it will grow and maybe some of it will bear fruit and if you have a good year, you'll have an increase. If you have a bad year, hopefully you saved some seed for later. But that is not how it works in God's economy, in God's field. He says, I'm giving you some seed and I'm going to multiply that seed. You're never going to run out of seed. 
So keep planting. And then not only that, that seed will always bear fruit. The seed of generosity and mercy and compassion will always bear fruit so that you end up with a harvest that isn't just a harvest natural to the seed that you're you're sowing, but actually that God will also increase and multiply. He's going to multiply the seed and he's going to multiply the fruit. It's all more, all the time, all according to God's abundance. That's what we see so clearly in God's word. Our God is far more generous than we could ever imagine. And our hearts are far more stingy than we would ever like to admit. If only we could look to God and trust in him and see what he has promised. God provides the seed and the growth and the harvest and he multiplies them all and see the blessing that comes from this. Of course, Paul says, of course, when you give your gift, dear Corinthians, to those in Jerusalem, their needs will be met. They won't be hungry anymore, and that is good. But that's not where the blessing stops. They're going to give thanks to God on your behalf. They're going to give thanks to God that someone believed God's word and showed love according to God's promises. They're going to give thanks that God was so good as to convert dear souls to trust in him so that generosity would be shown. They were going to give thanks to God overflowing in many thanksgivings. By their approval of this service, Paul says, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. They're going to glorify God not just that there were people who are generous, but that the gospel of Christ has proven true once again. That the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, well, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. When you, dear Corinthians, are generous to those saints in Jerusalem, it produces fruit more than you can imagine. He says it makes them well, it provides for their material needs, but it redounds in glory to God so that more can hear and more can believe and the kingdom of God grows. Blessings far beyond the earthly material blessings, far beyond the earthly material blessings that you would try to secure for yourself by holding on to your things. Paul says, look at what can grow when you sow abundantly, when you sow bountifully. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's really the best way to put it. It's by saying there's no good way to put this. It's inexpressible. How can it be that we are so blessed by God? How can it be that we are the ones to whom he has entrusted such wonders, such miracles, such hope and opportunity? And yet here he has done it for us. God grant that we would always trust in him, that we would love the way he has loved us, that we would show mercy and kindness, even as he has shown mercy and kindness to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.